We're going to have uh, Brian come up here and share some things uh, briefly. Um, I, I will, before he comes up, I, I'm going to say this because I know it's 20 to 12 already. Um, the message that I'm, I'm getting ready to share that I do not have time to share today is really a message that I began back at the end of December, but it is a message that is really burning in my heart. And I really, <laughs> I don't want to overinflate my message. We all have messages, and I, I really want next week, I'm going to get this message in, I believe, by the Spirit of God. Um, I'm not going to have time to even begin it today, but I really ask that you come back, but I really ask that you look around, and I want you to see the number of people that either are sick or disconnected from this body. This, we, there is a lot of people missing today, and I really want to encourage you, church, please hear me. Would you invite or would you please look and see who's missing, and would you please reach out? Maybe someone is sick in the church, or maybe they've just been hurt or disconnected. Would you please help us in reaching out to those that are missing? I mean, take a look at the people that are missing and make, maybe make, make mental note today. And I encourage you to really encourage them to come next Sunday. And uh, we've got to begin to move. And uh, the message that I'm going to share is this message of how if we're going to fulfill the destiny of God for our lives, for this church and for you individually, how we've really desperately got to mix faith with administration and how we've got to get disciplined in our hearts towards the Lord where we mix faith and the gift of administration into our heart to move forward where the, in the areas of our life that God has called us to move forward. And I, a bunch of you said, oh, I love that, and I, we just got warmed up on it, and then there's been a lot of change, but I'm going to go back to it. I was going to let the message go, and Tom goes, Eric, I don't think you should. I think there was something on that that God began to start, and I said, yeah, and then my wife, I went to her, and I talked to her, and she goes, Eric, you cannot stop on that message, and so I've got a new renewed faith in my heart about that message, and I just really want to encourage you, uh, I am going to preach that message, and we are going to finish it because it's powerful, and it's for a, such a time as this. Can I have an amen on that? So praise God. Brian, why don't you get it? Everybody welcome Brian Hughes to the floor. We love Brian. He's going to share some things about the mission trip to Honduras that him and the team went on. And so I'm going to turn it over to him. Yep. Uh, for those of you who may or may not know, uh, myself, my wife Sarah, my three kids, Hannah, Haley, and Cole, along with Tabitha and Gage, went to Honduras over Christmas and New Year's. Uh, so we haven't had a chance to really talk about what happened, what we saw, a lot of sort of stuff. So I'm going to do more of the background, if you will, of what Give Hope to Kids is, because you guys have heard bits and pieces and all that sort of stuff. And so I'm going to try to tie it back to what things are in the States. So Jeff, if you can go ahead and start the video. There's going to be lots of pictures scrolling, right? This first video is the actual Christmas. So this is them opening up all their gifts. Uh, the sound's off on purpose because you can't hear anything. They're all screaming, going crazy. Um, so as we talk, Tabitha and I will be talking. Um, just You can pay attention to that. It's fine. I'm going to start my timer so I don't go too long. Sorry. So give hope to kids. If I relate it back to the U.S., it's a foster home. It is not an orphanage. Okay? It is a foster home. Now, it's more of a permanent foster home because 97% of the kids never see their parents again once they come. Right? So, but it is a foster home. There are uh, three houses full of children. 
uh, and eight adults. So there's about 40 total people in three homes. Okay, so 41 total people in about three homes. Um, they are building a fourth home right now uh, for, uh, they can have the 30-some kids spread across four homes instead of into three. Uh, there are five sets of house parents, or as you guys think of them as foster parents. All the kids call them mom and dad. Right, so it's mom and dad, right? Jason and Sarah, what they've done is create a, a very um, family-oriented place. It's all about family, right? So all their parents are mom and dad, right? Jason and Sarah are what they call maestra or maestro, which is teacher, right? They call me T.O. or uncle, and the little, little guys call me abuelo, grandpa, <laughs> right? So, but that's the, sort of, that's the sort of thing that he has going there. Um, it's all of that. And what you see in the pictures, this is various things. This is in the city with the kids uh, for Christmas, took them shopping. What you see them with is what people like you and I have donated to them. When they come, they have about one day's worth of clothes, which is usually a shirt and a pair of jeans, no socks, no underwear. That's what they got. No other, no other things. So when you see them doing stuff like this, that's all things that you guys have helped provide. So for those of you who have been there before, that's the thing we built last time we were there, that group. Ernie, Chris Hansen, Eric, all those sort of people, right? That's what we helped build, the Concha. So that's just a little update uh, for you guys in that uh, respect. Um, sorry, my notes went off. Yeah. So uh, Jason and Sarah, they have recently bought 25 acres of property in La Ceiba. So uh, this is up in the mountain which eventually you'll see a video of us driving for about a minute, and you'll see how, why it takes about an hour to get there, even though it's only 10 miles away. Um, that's the drive. So they bought 25 acres in the, in the city, and the purpose of that is to help transition the kids from the fostering sort of, I'm a child, into real world, right? So what the, what's gonna happen is kids get older of age, closer to 18, 19, they will actually move to the, the campus in the city, and that's where they'll do more hands-on skill learning and all that sort of stuff. The men currently are starting to have a program up here in the mountain where they teach them welding, right? They teach them carpentry, they teach them various things. Actually, a lot of the men up there actually have businesses. Uh, Ruby and Henry, uh, you've probably heard the name Ruby. Uh, Henry's brother actually has a furniture and glass making place in the city, which is very, very, does really well. Um, and so we're in the process of actually having that as a transition into uh, real world. So in the city, there's already one house there. I have no pictures of that house. Uh, they built one house there already for kids. It already exists. Uh, so that's already in the process. Jason's focus for 2018 is up there in the city. There's the one house that's about half done. You'll see a picture eventually here. That's up in the mountain. They will finish it this year, but they plan on building two or three more homes uh, down in the city. They've already identified um, the house parents for down there. So God's been really faithful and blesses them. There's the chores in the morning um, to show them different things. So they made contacts years and years ago with various missionaries. And now one of the set of missionaries is they're probably 65, 70, and they're getting to the place where they actually need someone to sort of take care of them as well. So they volunteered to oversee the place down there, which means they'll have other house parents that can help watch over them. So it's amazing how God has put people in their paths uh, to do various stuff. Even to the point where you'll eventually see a picture in here of an old white house that's kind of junk and torn down, right? Jason and Sarah Fur actually have the opportunity to buy this, and it's a home that a drug lord owned. 
And the reason it's in such disrepair is because everybody has looted it and taken all the valuable stuff. It's missing all the roof and that sort of stuff. But Jason and Sarah actually have a permanent home down there. They do already today, but they're going to buy a home themselves with their own money versus the ministry. And they will probably end up living down in the city as someone else runs the campus up in the mountains. So Jason and Sarah really need prayers on how to, um, uh, I'll say, operationalize everything. So Jason's a visionary, right? God's given the gift of vision and all that sort of stuff. And so Jason's good at starting a thousand things, right? And in the world of Honduras, if you've never been there, um, it's nothing you can imagine. Imagine anything you try to do here and take a hundred times longer. Generally, we leave our country, things slow way, way down. And so Jason gets things started, and then it's hard to keep things going or finish them off because he's going to the next thing. So what he really needs is an operations manager, just so you guys know. It's that simple. Um, they have enough cattle. They have about 50 cattle. They're going to have up to 80 here in about three months. Um, they have enough coffee. Between the coffee and cattle, they could probably make another $80,000, $90,000 a year, and they would be totally self-sufficient. Uh, the issue is there's not anyone so far that God has sent to sort of operationalize and do that sort of thing. Um, they have the ability, when they get in the city, uh, the 25 acres is a bunch of flat land, right? So they can plant a different sort of mahogany and teak uh, that they've already done on the mountains. They have about 25 acres of mahogany and teak. That's worth about a million dollars here in 30 years. So that's how much money he has already planted in the ground uh, to harvest so that his return for give hope to kids. So God has done amazing things there and continues to do amazing things. You guys don't ever see this part of it. So this is why we're kind of doing this thing. But the thing that's the best about all the kids, um, sorry, how about those kids? Uh, they listen to everybody. They're so well behaved. You give them a pack of gum, and they will give it to everybody else. They don't keep anything. Seeing they have nothing, they still give it away, which is not what we do here, right? And it's just so heartbreaking to think how really greedy I am. I mean, we're all honest, right? Where they don't even think about what it's like to not have anything because they, they know what it's like and they care. And so when they're hurting, each other's hurting, right? They help each other out. They are really totally self-sufficient. The kids don't understand why <laughs> we would struggle um, if things went bad. Right, so down there, something's not working right. The kids just figured out they don't ask the adults for help because they are survivors, essentially. Um, so this is the picture of the house that Jason and them may end up buying. That's the, how sort of disrepair it is. But I just want to let you guys know that um, though you may all be there, uh, you guys help supply socks, underwear, and all that sort of stuff. We take the kids shopping. Um, they very much appreciate it. They need it. They will continue to need stuff. There was just a text came out last week where they took an emergency family of four. Right, so now they're kind of scrambling around trying to get clothes and money. This is not me asking for that sort of stuff from you. But that's just how it works there. Right? It's just a constant sort of, hey, we have this problem. And they, they call Jason. There's lots and lots of foster parents, orphanages, and that sort of stuff. Um, but they call Jason first because they know when they go there, they're happy. They're well fed. They're well. This is the road. Sorry, it's sideways. I thought I turned it. I guess I didn't. But this is about five mile an hour, right? Yeah, I know. Sorry. It didn't. Sorry, I thought I turned them off. 
But that's sort of the background of Give Hope to Kids. So if you talk about it at other parts in time, various groups may go there. That's what we're doing, right? So when we first, well, I didn't go the very first time. When the team from here went the very, very first time, I think there was one building there, two buildings maybe, and now there's nine. You know, and they're, they're growing. That's not even counting the campus downstairs. So that's the sort of stuff that's happening. Um, when we go over Christmas time, the reason we go is to really help uh, the house parents. So again, I'll it back to foster care. Right? If you're a foster parent, you have one or two, three kids, right? And then you want a vacation, essentially, right? So you have what's called respite care, which is someone who's sort of approved to watch your kids while you're gone. So what they end up doing is they have other people, their house parents, that are sort of on standby, that live in villages and cities around. They will come in, because all the foster parents have their own families in the city. So like Ruby and Henry, uh, they have their own kids, but their parents don't live there. They live in the cities. So Ruby and Henry will go home, another set of house parents will come in, right, and take over. And then what we do, is essentially we're sort of to supplement the respite care. Hey, let me go play with the kids. Let me help you do this. Let's cook. Let's clean, right? So we come alongside and just really serve the other house parents. And they don't get to interact with many other adults other than Jason. Because when groups come, groups are kind of kept away from the kids on purpose, right? Just because you don't really know what's going on. You know, we've got 20 strange people. So the only people that really react with the groups are the men, because the men are the ones working. But a lot of the women, right, and some of the other guys don't get to interact with outsiders. So it's nice to actually talk to them about what they're dealing with, what they're going through, right? A lot of them is envisioning their hearts. They all have things they want to do. Oh, I can't do it. And then you can kind of sit down with good old Google Translate. I sit down with a lot of those guys on Google Translate, right? And I type back and forth to them and talk about, why can't you do your dream? Have you thought about doing this? Oh, I guess I could. That's my timer. <laughs> so, um, But that's what we're doing down there. So, I'm, again, I'm doing the background. Tabitha will do, talk more about things that God did with her, through her, and our, our team. But that's the background of what uh, we're doing, so you don't think we're just going out on a vacation. Because uh, it is different, but it's also very humbling. Thank you. So, first of all, I want to say thank you to everybody who um, supported us financially and prayerfully, because God was definitely in this, even from the get-go when we got there. Um, I want to share a quick um, testimony of when we flew in, we had to fly into San Pedro Sula, and then because of what was going on there, Jason suggested that we get a flight from there over to La Ceiba, and he would pick us up there. Well, when we set up those flights, we couldn't get a flight to La Ceiba until the next day. So we got to San Pedro Sula, and we had like 20 hours we were supposed to stay there, stay in the airport, and then fly out the next morning. So um, after a couple of hours of being in San Pedro Sula in the airport, we asked um, the people, you know, is there at least, can we get through security so we can at least sleep on the other side of security? And so um, Sarah and I went up there and asked again, and there was a couple other people who were asking, like, are there any other flights? There were no more flights going out that day, no more that we could get on. Um, so they were like, well, you don't have anywhere to stay? And we're like, no, no, we don't. And um, so she said, well, just hold on a second. And they went and they created a flight for us to be able to get to La Ceiba that night. So we were able to get to La Ceiba and stay in a hotel and um, get some rest before we met the kids the next morning. Um, and the next day we got to meet them and take them shopping in La Ceiba. And so that was awesome. That was fun. So <clears throat> that was really cool. Most of the time while we were there, like, um, he was saying we were just spending time with them, loving on them, and you can see 
Um, it was, we helped them with their chores. Um, I got to go climb a mountain to help the girls get the cows down the mountain. And every step I went up, I was more impressed with the cows in Honduras, <laughs> how high they can climb. Um, but we got to help with um, just making food with the women uh, for Christmas and New Year's. And we made pizzas for New Year's for everybody. So um, that was a lot of fun, just spending time with them. Um, I was excited because um, at one point, Chantel, Chantel was one of the ladies who was there with her family, Chantel and Joelle. They're from Canada with their four little girls, and they've been there for 10 months um, just as long-term missionaries there. And so she actually asked at one point, she asked Hannah and I to help with, um, with leading a Bible study for the little girls. And so we got to help with that where we actually taught um, Hannah came up with some games, and I came up with a verse, and actually, I kind of stole the verse, um, 2 Corinthians 5.17, about God becoming a new creation in Jesus Christ. I stole that from my trip from Jackson, Mississippi, with, when Emma taught that, and we made little crafts and stuff with butterflies. That was one of the pictures up there. Um, but So we taught the girls about becoming a new creation, and we had them make butterflies as a craft and stuff. And so I was thankful that Emma taught me that while I was in Jackson. So <laughs> but it also reminded me of how important it is to always have a message on your heart to be ready to share. Right. Because you never know when somebody's going to ask you to lead a Bible study and in Spanish. <laughs> so, um, well, she helped me translate it. But um, the first couple of days, I'd say I was more just kind of feeling it out. Like, what is this? Like, what is it like here? What do they do? Um, because I'm kind of seeking the Lord on where is he leading me in the future, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to go. Is this somewhere you might lead me to come back to more long-term, maybe, to teach? Um, so the first couple of days was kind of just what would it be like, but it was a little uncomfortable, you know, getting to know them, um, working on my Spanish. And so after a couple of days, though, even, those, even within the first couple of days, like, I was amazed with how well the kids responded to us and how well they opened up to us and just opened their love to us. And um, like Brian said, even listened so well. I was so impressed with them, how much respect they had for their elders and um, for each other. And so um, as I got more comfortable talking to them, and they were talking to us all the time, I became more comfortable. And by the end, I was like, I was so excited just to go talk to them and stuff in Spanish and work on my, work on my Spanish. So... That was really cool to be able to do, um, to be practicing that more and just be able to talk to them because even though I'm not fluent necessarily, the kids knew well enough what I was trying to say so they would figure it out. <laughs> but um, that, was, uh, that was really cool. And I got some time to talk to even Sarah about, Sarah Furrow, about the needs that they have for teachers there. And so praying about that, I didn't necessarily get a yes from God yet, that that's where he's going to be leading me to go, but I didn't get a no either. And so I'm still seeking the Lord on that, and that might be, I, at least I would love to go back to visit at the very least, go back again. But as far as long term, it's possible in my future to be going back there. I just feel like even what was prophesied this morning, um, just I'm supposed to be getting ready because this year there's going to be a change for me, and I feel like I'm going to be going somewhere. So... Um, the other thing that was really cool was how many people can say 
that they climbed a mountain on their quarter of a century birthday. Like, that was cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> so on my birthday, Gage and I got to go up with one of the, the guys, David, and he like took us up to La Roca, which is the rock and the cliff up high, and it took us about an hour and 15 minutes to get there, but that was probably the most exhausting I've ever been on my birthday, but that was a birthday I'll never forget. And then that evening we got to spend time with one of the families. They made us dinner and um, they sang to me in Spanish and so that was fun and thankfully they did not crack an egg on my head, <laughs> um, which is their tradition to do on somebody's birthday, so. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that was, pretty much enveloped everything we did. I was amazed out on Christmas, just filled with joy to see the kids' faces when they opened up those presents. And even noticing, like, as the girls were opening up these presents, like, some of these presents, you can tell, weren't brand new necessarily, but they still were so excited. Um, so just for what they have and how, how excited they got. Um, and like he said, sharing with everybody. So... Thank you all for um, your prayers and for supporting us, and I'm so, so blessed that I was able to go. So. Definitely be praying for Tabitha. She does feel called to the mission field, and she is searching on the heart of God on what that would look like. <coughs> Excuse me. I will read James chapter 127 to remind us of why we do missions and why why are we trying to help other places? But uh, James 1.27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I think Brian said it really well. We don't realize how greedy we are in our culture. And you get down to there and you realize they are so happy and they are so content with nothing and uh, actually we probably learn more by going down on mission trips <laughs> sometimes than they do but uh, give hope to kids is an amazing ministry that we've supported for many years but that that Christmas party with all those kids unwrapping those gifts wouldn't have been happening without all of us so I just want to say as well thank you for those who sowed financially and for prayer it really was a blessing and uh, I know God's going to continue to use us to, to minister to kids in Honduras. Amen. So guess what? You're the hands and feet of Jesus. Even though you weren't there, you were there. Amen. Amen. Sings. Praise God. Um, let's just uh, all stand up, if you wouldn't mind. This is the first time you're going to get out at 12. <clears throat> Ever. <clears throat> so don't get used to it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I will say before we end the service, um, and I... I hate to even say this because it looks so self-serving, uh, but I really uh, would ask for you guys to pray for my son, Joel, who's going to be going to South Africa on a mission trip as well. He's uh, quite a bit short on his, uh, his trip, and he's putting his own money into it as well. But if the Lord would lay it on your heart to even sow into my son's uh, mission trip, uh, I would really just ask you to ask the Lord. Don't feel pressure from Pastor Eric, please. I would prefer somebody else asking that, but Joel's not here to make you aware, but uh, the Lord's doing a tremendous work in his heart, and I appreciate you guys continuing to pray for him, because uh, God's turning him inside out and uh, doing a work, so praise the Lord. Let's pray. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, you've been really good to us this morning, Lord, and we thank you for the time of worship and the time of prayer, the time of prophetic words, the time of even talking about Honduras and the mission field and how, God, you have, you're raising up a radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God who are willing to die to themselves to go serve other people. Father, I thank you that we have a people here that really love to sacrifice their time, huge amounts of money. To minister the love of Jesus Christ. Father, we bless Jason and Sarah Furrow. Father, as they're taking in families all the time, they're, they're, they're raising up the next generation of children who have been abandoned. They're being fathers of the fatherless. Lord, would you bless them? Would you continue to give Jason wisdom and revelation? I pray, God, that you would send laborers to that field, workers to that field. Father, you've been so good to bring people. And Father, they're in need of more people. They're in need of this, this administrator. God, I thank you for sending the right person at the right time. And Father, we thank you for blessing that ministry. We thank you, God, for this house supporting it. And Lord, we just ask your blessing upon them. And Lord, we just thank you for who you are. And Father, we go back to what you declared during worship. One thing that we ask of you. One thing that makes the serving easy. One thing that makes this giving the finances easy is your presence. That you convict us. That you draw us closer to you, God. And that by that love and that connection with you, Father, you compel us to do amazing things, to help set the captives free, to break the chains and the bondages that are in people's lives. That through that love and that connection through you, God, we begin to do amazing, radical things. And so, Father, we're asking for your presence. We're asking for connection with you. That God, you would continue to draw our hearts closer to you. That we might be radically changed for you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' precious and mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.